Hello, everybody. Welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. Ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles? I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today, because today we are transitioning to your pick from Friends Pitching Fantasy. People following along on the arc of the show here know that we had recently read The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher Buhlman. That was my contribution to Friends Pitching Fantasy. And Dylan, you had pitched rereading, or not rereading, but continuing to read a series that we had started a while back, beloved by fans all across uh, the internet, and beloved by us as well. And uh, I'm super excited to get back into it. I'm, of course, referring to the Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee. You are referring to the Greenbone Song Saga by Fonda And the whole time there, what a what a big reveal. <laughs> and you probably are aware of that, listener, because you clicked an episode entitled Jade War by Fonda Lee episode discussion or whatever you call these things, Charles. This so would be a book discussion. It is book dis- <laughs> We're not discussing the episode that... <laughs> we're making on well it. sometimes like we do fantasy thing. recommendations which is more spoiler free but when we get we do the ah. deep dives that's a book discussion gotcha well welcome to the book discussion mm-hmm. i'm your host dylan <laughs> and i'm here with my lifelong friend charles and oh. we're getting ready to yeah <laughs> yeah we're getting ready to discuss this second book in the trilogy and I think I'm just going to go ahead and give the spoiler warning. Let's now, do it. Charles, if that's cool. Yeah. We'll get into it. So, yeah, if you haven't yet read Jade City and Jade War, first two books of the Greenbone Saga, then uh, you might want to turn this down in your headphones because we're going to have a no-holds-barred conversation about it mm-hmm. with spoilers. But we will not go beyond Jade City or Jade War in part because neither of us have read the final book in the Green Bones saga yet, mm-hmm. Jade Legacy. So yep. just need those first two books under your belt. But if you haven't gotten them under your belt yet, now is a good time. Turn us down your headphones and go listen or listen. Go check out Jade Ward. Because it's a good book. Yes, absolutely. Go check out Jade War. <laughs> you will not regret it. And um yeah, check check out Jade War as well. Jade like uh, the first one's Jade City, and then Jade check City, out Jade, Jade War. War. We're yeah. killing it. Yeah, we're doing both. So check them. Check check them out. Highly recommend. Um, this book came out back in 2019, actually, so not that long ago. Relatively fresh, and we 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 see it pop up on social media all the time uh, when we put up votes for a couple different series that we were pitching, thinking about reading next. This one. Did very well, uh, swept, I believe, won at least, uh, it was close, but it won um, by, you know, definitive win, um, nominated for the Dragon Award for Best Fantasy, Aurora Award for Best Novel, um, Locus Award for Best Fantasy Novel, so 
well-accredited series here, well-accredited book on its own. We had taken a break from it to read other series, and we always felt like we needed to come back and finish it. And I think that was something that a lot of fans said as well. It's like, oh, you have to finish it. The ending's crazy. You got to read the whole story. And we've been meaning to get back to it for a long time. So I'm super excited to make the time to finish it. Of course, our next book will be Jade Legacy. We're going to read the whole thing. But we have a lot to talk about today before we can do that. We definitely have a lot to talk about here, Charles. I think that it's it's interesting to follow up on all of those fans telling us that this whole series is a must read versus like other because we've done all these other series where like people don't get nearly as up in arms about like oh if you only read the first book like you're not really getting right. the experience it's like even series that are i always compare it to the uh broken earth trilogy by nk jemison where it's like that whole series every single book won the hugo award and even that one when uh, when we read the fifth season like no one was like whoa like if you don't read the obelisk gate like it's like people are kind of okay and we will hopefully go back i've read all three of those and they're fantastic and hopefully we'll go back and read those at some point for the show Mm -hmm. but there's something interesting about the green bone saga where people are just obsessed with this series as a whole Mm. and charles i'm i'm wondering we can get into our experience with that a little bit here with uh like jade war how do we think it compared to jade city we were big fans do we feel like uh kind of like similar quality did we feel like uh it was an uptick a downtick like uh, where are we at with that oh man coming out of the gate with the big questions i will say yes i was kind of surprised with the you know unique fan feedback of read the whole series like the insistence of it i feel like was kind of unique to this series uh it's kind of some that's rare feedback so obviously super curious to see what that's all about and jade war to me does what a good you know second book in a fantasy trilogy does which it kind of expands on the world expands on the characters um kind of grows your world more and i and i think you know jade city was very kind of micro and now we're getting the macro view of of this world in in jade war and that kind of parallels the main theme of this story too which we can get into later of like as technology expands and you know they find themselves on the world stage and their borders kind of expand in terms of working outside of their country with other nations, how that kind of affects their very like traditionalist isolationist kind of views and culture. So the, the, the contrast and conflict of those two kind of guides, the whole part of this book. So I appreciated Jade war for that. Um, Do I consider it required reading? I think I need to get the whole picture before I can say, Yes or no. I feel like the amount that fans were telling us we had to read this, I was promised a sort of a time skip also, which I feel slightly cheated on as well. Like we got a few years into the future, but I'm wondering if all that kind of takes place in Jade Legacy. I don't know, but it does feel like we're growing with these characters and expanding them. Uh, But I think the thing that grew the most was the like macroeconomics and policies of this of this of this world as we get to spend time in Espania and and other countries in this book um 
Shatarian, Kekanese, all these things, and then the relationships with each other are growing and growing. And the way that these clans fight each other, it kind of changes too. So I think that's kind of the point of this book. And, and I guess to answer your question, I enjoyed it. I'm looking to see where it goes in a very solid like middle book in a trilogy. Yeah, so a big thing that I always think about is that sophomore slump with a second book mm-hmm. in a trilogy. And I would say that this does not suffer from that in any way. I think it kind of keeps things rolling from Jade City at a similar level. I feel like, like you, I have to see where things go and Jade Legacy get the full picture before really commenting too much on, like, what is it that's making this series uh, one where people get up in arms about, like, you have to read all three and you have to read them really soon, back to back to back. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, let's 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 see where that goes. But it certainly doesn't have that sophomore slump that you get from a lot of series. I don't know if it's, like... Uh, God, what is it? Empire Strikes Back, right? That's uh, episode five. Well, a lot of people consider that to be the, the best movie. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's. Oh. I thought you were saying that was Empire a slump. I was like, well, the, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> that's the that's the go to when people are trying to say when like a second in a series of something is the strongest i would not say that it's like that feel where i'm like whoa like this is the one because i think maybe i like jade city a little bit better but certainly Mm. a strong installment that keeps the momentum going and almost and maybe this is where a lot of the feedback comes from it feels very much like an extension of Mm -hmm. jade city maybe even more so than you usually get with a second book in the series right. like I, I don't know it it feels like the same book like if you i remember charles you said you read the first law trilogy by joe abercrombie originally as like one this big like omnibus yeah edition like was on your at that time kindle we yes. all know charles has moved <laughs> away from the kindle uh, i'm on the kobo baby the rakuten kobo yes off the off the grid right. <laughs> of amazon <laughs> yeah so charles read this giant i mean that must have been like two thousand pages of kindle omnibus edition for the first law trilogy and he Mm kind of said like i at first you've reread since and now you have a better idea what's in what book but at first you're like i can't even differentiate between like which is what book because and i remember on the reread i, read I was being that like format. that's it for book one it's, that's where it ends so it's like <laughs> yeah you know it, it, right. it's kind of interesting how you kind of can dice up a trilogy yeah yeah but i felt like this is one that would lend itself well to just kind of continuing through and almost an omnibus hmm. edition like that i think yeah because doesn't it i don't know there's certain books that i feel like the I mean, maybe it's just like length, but the first thing that I think of is like the Stormlight Archive. Like there's very clear differences also in those like Way of Kings kind of fleshes out the background of one character. Right. uh, Each character kind of takes a focus. And then book two. Yeah. It's like it doesn't obviously it feels like there's book one in the like in that 
long series by Brandon Sanderson. There's book one, and this is the kind of the way it is. And there's book two, and it takes a different route. And these are kind of the themes of the this book. And this is how we're fleshing out a different character as our focus in this book. It's like a lot of series do that or go a totally like different direction. And I don't think this series goes a totally different direction. It really is what you were talking about, where it's like, all right, now we're just like expanding things and moving things out, but it's all very much building on the previous book and the previous yeah. themes. It's not like this new book has this totally different themes. We're even like to go another Sanderson book, like Mistborn book one, Mistborn book two, let's say, like two very complete yeah. stories. It doesn't with like take on themes, like I feel that like. many new POVs. Like you get, the new um is it the hand right and then you get the new fist like you get some of those povs a little bit uh you you kind of see some of that but it's really a lot of the same cast and um yeah and that's i I think fonda lee just has so like what makes this like a good sequel is she has so many ideas right for this world and these characters and what's going to happen to them and and like the whole how these struggles kind of grow and expand that this is what the second book does it 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 kind of is the growth of her ideas it enriches this world and i think that's something that a powerful second book can do and i would agree that it feels like we're growing with these characters and their problems are growing and the scale of their influence is growing and the stakes are kind of ebbing and flowing you know like they'll clash with Aitmata and then there'll be like a cooldown period and then they'll clash again but instead of in a fight it's in the headlines you know they, they make that point a few times so it, it's a story that feels almost like um how do you say it's not operatic, but it's one of those things where it just keeps it it grows and grows. It's not like there's one story and this is the like the the beginning and this is the end. It's, it's no, it's this growing world that we're a part of. Like it's just continuing to expand. And certainly, yes, there is a de- clearly defined story in here, but like the overarching story it is still growing at a steady pace. And it's going to go well into the third book, it feels like, because there's still so much going on with this greater conflict with the Mountain Clan that still needs to be resolved that um, I feel like we've barely gotten into in Jade War while still getting a ton of narrative and conflict within the book itself. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Charles. And you mentioned Fonda Lee's ideas and mm-hmm. how they're expanding i think that's the biggest strength i feeling you'll you'll agree on that like the biggest strength that fonda lee has as a writer is she she comes up with very like uh, brilliant ideas and uh, like explores them in a way that i think few other authors really do like even just the idea of jade and how it is going to influence the like every aspect of the world and the economy and how like certain cultures like uh, have it like right the the kekanese they have this very like built-in system around jade with its uh like association with strength and honor and what it means mm-hmm. to be green and all that kind of stuff For sure. but then you go somewhere else like espania and it's like they have all of these laws and rules in place around uh, almost um god what's the word for it like uh 
you know, keeping Jade under control and ensuring oh. that it's used for the regulated, it, like uh, regulated. regulated. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, there's all these. Yeah, or straight up banned in his spending. So heavily. Yeah, or at least like, because you can come and you can get <laughs> like. With certain paperwork and permissions, you can come in and you can temporarily wear your jade, but at the same time, it's, yeah, it, it is pretty much outlawed mm-hmm. and it's just seen as something that you could like divvy up evenly to all of your soldiers and that kind of stuff <laughs> rather than something that like is deeply in the tradition of these people and what it means. There's that whole honor system around it. And I think that it's just cool seeing her flesh out those cultures and you get this kind of like Andon gets this culture shock when he heads over there. and But he also is able to find people who have Kekanese background, but they're also like different in their own way, uh, having grown up in Espenia. Mm -hmm. It's like all these things are you don't really get to spend time fleshing out like culture and uh, how like the main resource affects different cultures that kind of stuff in the way that we get to in uh in a book like jade war you don't get that in a lot of fantasy books because you've really either they're focused on like other aspects of world building um like just so much focus on like let's flesh out all these like ancient stories and lore and we get some of that in the interludes of course uh but i kind of like that they're mostly confined to that like there's Mm -hmm. not this uh you know she does the interlude she's like all right i'm gonna tell them some legend uh in this interlude and it's like i appreciate that they're confined to that (laughs) rather than like shoehorning them into like because that's so annoying when you have like conversations between characters and it's like you remember the story of the ancient tortoise of blah 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 and yeah, it's like right, right, of right. course but I'd love to hear it again <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it's right. so Forrest while fond of leaves right. just like alright let me just tell them what I need to tell them in these interludes but anyway right. besides that you get like uh, you don't get these characters wasting time with telling each other things they already know about ancient lore you get this like how is this like main resource, this thing that's this uh, like central aspect of the magic system, all that. How is that going to affect all these different cultures, and how is it weaved into the society, and not just individually as a magic system? And and going back to Brandon Sanderson, uh, he has those like rules of what makes a great magic system, and he one of them is this like depth over breadth idea where it's like it's much more interesting to go into all the ramifications and all the aspects of how one magic system affects uh the world and than it is to like oh and there's also this other magic system and this one does this and that's so cool because why it's like no one cares it's like go like tell us this is a like a crazy material that can do all sorts of things that aren't possible in our world. So it makes sense that it's like revolutionized every society in its own mm. way. Right. I like and, that. Yeah. And yeah, Fondalee's world building, it's, it's true. I, I, I think a lot of people, especially around the conversation of Jade Ward, go on about how it expands the world and this and that. And like we get to learn more. And I agree completely. But I think it highlights... Fondalee's adept skill at taking, you know, 
inspirations from settings and mannerisms and cultures that we're already very familiar with and creating something wholly unique. Like, yes, she pulls from like organized crime stories. She pulls from this kind of isolationist society in Japan or something like that. She pulls in like World War II conflicts, immigration conflicts, like things that we're all very familiar with and a time period in that where like borders are opening up and the news is becoming more important as the the world stage for conflict versus like actual two people duking it out like we can understand all of those things pretty intuitively uh, through just our history lessons and and through like learning about other cultures and histories and stuff but but Fonda Lee is able to recognize a lot of these elements and pull on these unique aspects of them and work them not only into the world but into the themes as well and that's what i think makes jade war something more than just oh she took book one and expanded on it like she's also working on these themes of isolationism and whether it's a pro or con like is it more progressive to like work with other nations and and grow together or is there something about maintaining your cultural identity that you should be prioritizing and then you look at the smaller levels with all these characters they're all kind of doing their own micro versions of that where where Hilo's trying to find his identity and 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 on and um you have Andin, I think as well, obviously spending a lot of time in Hispania. So you get this idea of tradition versus modern society and Fondali is just able to take all these very common elements that could very easily have just been like an uninspired retelling of like a post World War II society, but she manages to create something that like has captivated a large audience and is most importantly like super entertaining. I, I think being able to recognize some of these elements and see how they go into like oh how this affects the No Peak Clan and the Mountain Clan and and Hispania versus you know KCon and it's 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 um it's allows it to get more complex and we're able to start with that kind of strong foundation of understanding from these elements that she's pulling in and it's a like to make that something to make that feel like something like wholly original and engaging and interesting and entertaining is a really hard an impressive skill that Fondalee is showing off in full force in Jade War. Definitely, Charles. I think that it's cool how she's able to explore all those themes, but keeping them very grounded in the characters. I think that it's like every character kind of has their own like aspect to them that they either have to suppress or they have to like hide all this kind of stuff even so you think of a character like shay who uh, has that uh, previous affair with an espanian and she just uh, gets torn apart in the in the media the court of public opinion yeah yeah. (laughs) the court of public opinion for doing that and then you think of someone like her uh temper temporarily or lover uh, uh Morrow uh re- rest in peace RIP Morrow has to too yeah, good for this world hide. <laughs> was he was Morrow too good for this world I mean he didn't really <laughs> do anything wrong except betraying maybe them. get involved with the highest level of an organized crime family like I don't know that's 
But yeah, I'm going to count that as as uh, not being too good for this world. But it's uh, it's interesting, though, how I, I like that by Fonda Lee. Like, I think that the plotting around that relationship, it, it went a very different direction than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it was kind of I, I think we should talk about like the abortion not, not seen necessarily but like the the plot uh asked <laughs> i don't want to call it a plot device because that has kind of a negative connotation mm-hmm. but like uh the event of her getting that abortion because i think that it's it's interesting because i feel like most writers for something like that would do a lot more like almost heavy-handed building toward it where it's like people would have been like coming up to her all the time and would have been like, Shay, like, when are you going to have a child? You should really have a child. And then yeah. she would be like, I don't think I could. Like, now is not the time for me. And I don't know, blah, blah. Right. Like they would go yeah. through all this and then she'd like, have something like, like when like, putting a newborn baby gonna... in her arms or something right. <laughs> while she's deciding and if she's she like... or not. <laughs> right. But I even mean leading up to her getting pregnant, I think there would be like previous stuff of people like talking to her about that. And instead it kind of just like happens Mm -hmm. and there's not even, there's not even like a moment like she, Fonda Lee does have like these sex scenes, but there's not like this moment where you're like, uh Oh, like that might end up in her getting pregnant or anything. It just kind of happens. And I I thought that was kind of interesting because I think that, probably mirrors real life a lot more than like you know it kind of i think that is more people's experiences with ending up getting an abortion than would be like uh really even like having it too much on their radar before it happens right it just kind of like happens that you end up pregnant and then you're like oh crap like i don't know if this is like (laughs) this is go work for me or my situation or whatever and then she just kind of goes and and just does it Mm -hmm. and it ends up being this like huge plot device that leads to like moral betraying her all this kind of stuff so i i thought that was handled like for whatever my opinion on like handling (laughs) the topic of abortion is worth like i thought that Mm -hmm. was handled well and Mm -hmm. in a way i haven't really seen before for a delicate topic I would agree, and I would even, like, expand that even more. And there's this, you know, this theme of with progressions in technology and with progressions of open borders comes progressive ideas. And when you are in a society that has super, like, values tradition and family over everything and has been very isolationist, you run into these conflicts. So even when you have someone like Shay who is in a predominantly male role. It's kind of controversial that her as a female is even in that role. Uh, she then has to deal with all the BS that being a woman in that kind of position in this kind of society um, lends herself. Like she's getting smeared in the headlines for having a relationship with a man from another culture. Uh, and you wonder if that would be the same situation if she was a man and not a woman, if anyone would care. Uh, and then now you have the... Well, I mean, we have examples. We have, like, Lan, uh, rest in peace also, has, uh, like, didn't he have... Wasn't his wife from... Oh, she wasn't from another country. She, like, ran off with someone from another country. 
I she definitely remember. ran off to another country, but I can't remember if yeah. she was from another country or not. But like you know, yeah. it, it, I could it, be wrong on that. It, it, I think like the added you know, there, there's definitely this element of we're talking about progression. You know, this book opens with Carlson passing away, which you could kind of take as a metaphor for like the old ways, dead and gone, that kind of mentality. And and then you have Shay who's just by nature of her being um, the weatherman is in a very progressive position, but she has to deal with being smeared in the headlines, getting kind of side-eyed by her subordinates or her um, lantern man or something like that. And then you have Aitmata knowingly manipulating that. And then to top it all off, now that she's got this pregnancy, it's like, I can't face this in the public you know this is something that is a uniquely you know, i i appreciate it because it's a one an abortion obviously feels very like a modern conversation to be having in the world stage both in our world and in the fondalese world here but also it's this again another thing that basically greenbone society is and the society of the mountain clan is just not equipped to handle. It's like whether men don't normally get pregnant out of wedlock because they're men and it doesn't matter. So she has to kind of fight that issue alone. And the consequences of that kind of go further, as you were describing, dealing with her relationship with um, uh, what's-his-face Morrow. Uh, but no, I, I liked it. And the fact that she had to deal with that and this idea of again expanding on these like how good are these traditionalist values like where do we stand is is um a complicated one and, and abortion is just one of those topics that uh didn't get too heavy-handed over the top but it was addressed and dealt with and it and i feel like it was up like it lived up to Shay's character like of, of course she can't be having like she can't be pregnant out of wedlock go through all this craziness when she has so many responsibilities and also she was just like she's about to fight <laughs> um she's about to fight um right. Mata like in a duel to the death so it's like okay I, I can't be pregnant and doing that you know so it, it's it's um the timing of it as well was um an important thing and and I feel like it's a uniquely as far as my opinion on what a um a feminine issue is in the world <laughs> take it that for what it's worth but it's like a very uniquely um like female in society problem of like great it's it's like as much as it's this is happening to me and this is like my issue it's also like so many other people are like going to have opinions and issues and try and get involved when it's and it's complicated but it was dealt in a very direct way and a honest way and uh, loyal to Shay's character which i admire about the whole thing yeah and i feel the same way about the decision to challenge Ait Mata, right? These kind of things. I think Fonda Lee has that that gift for having these plot events come up in a way that makes sense, doesn't feel like it's out of nowhere, but also doesn't have this heavy-handed way of building toward it. Like, And it allows her to move through the story, I think, quicker. Like, I could see in some... This is a about a 600-page book. I could see in uh, some folks' hands this ending up like 800-plus pages, and I don't think there's any need for it to be that long. I think that, like, Fonda Lee does a good job, like, okay, here I need 
to have uh, this battle between Shay and Aitmata. Uh, was it like Clean Blades? Is that what yeah. she, she challenges to her to? Clean Blade, yeah. Clean Blades. Do or I offer yeah, you a and, Clean Blade or something like that. Yeah, either way, she she challenges her and it, it makes sense that she does that both by Shay's character and by what's going on in the plot, but... It, it almost took it took me by surprise, not as like a twist, but as just a like, oh, well, like I, I, this is happening and like this is happening pretty fast all of a sudden. Right. But it's cool because we get to like actually have a pretty like interesting action scene show up with big right. stakes. And, I was curious to see how their we didn't power levels, for lack of a better word, would, would match up, <laughs> you know. But if I can be honest for a second, the this was not Shay's book at all she was taking l after l after l and when she challenged aimada i was like you are going to lose like this was a not a good idea for you at all like i get that i you're kind of trying yeah, to i thought the same face. thing but then i was like how is she gonna live because there's no way right. this book is gonna get down to just hilo of the three siblings who we start out with i'm like we're not losing a sibling a book there's right. no way so i was like how like so I almost, that's what made me be like, is she going to win? Because I'm like, she's not going to die and this is to the death, but they kind of. Yeah, uh, I was like, she couldn't know, possibly it, win. Like, Aitmata at this point was built up like so high. And I thought Che's decision to challenge Ait, for me, I would have never made that choice. And when she said she was going to do that, I was like, that is a mistake. Charles, you would not challenge someone to a du- an extremely powerful person to a duel to the death? I, not I, that's unless I knew me. I was going to win. I really thought you were the kind of guy <laughs> we thought you were the kind of guy to you know, fight people in duels to the death. But this I mean, she just, she just struggled the whole way with this one. She was getting totally like 4D chest by Aitmata at every single move. She yeah. loses the duel. She um, loses her relationship. She like buries the burns the bridge with Hilo, just like L after L after L. And you know, you, you and she again, remember she um she like it locks herself up in her room and de- and is all depressed, and it takes Wen to come in and be like you know, I wish I could lock myself in my room all day, but I have to be strong for my kids. And it was like, oh, snap. Okay. Like, maybe I should get out there and do something, you know? Wen had a fantastic book, yeah. I would say. <laughs> kind <laughs> of a brutal thing to say to someone who just got an abortion recently, but... But she, yeah. when, I don't think Wen knew. Yeah, I How guess How could it... she have known? Right? Didn't Wen... Didn't they, like, go together? Am I? Did she imagining that? I thought it happened off, like off, uh, off camera. There, I don't remember. Maybe she knew. It is. I kind of remember a conversation between them two, where like Shay was saying something along the lines of, "Your mother, how could you approve of this?" And then we end up with Wen being like, "Hey, everyone's got to make the choice that makes sense for them," and. Right. It was like interesting to see Shay struggle the whole time, and I, I don't think we've seen her redemption yet or her resolve yet. I think she's still struggling, and I guess it will be into Jade Legacy where we see her, you know, what happens, the consequences of all of this stuff, because, you know, she's um, 
kind of just barely holding on here by the end of this book and she's suffered some pretty significant defeats in this in this book too and she couldn't even you know she even kind of botched the the killing of her predecessor doru right like she couldn't bring herself to kill Doru. Yes, and Doru I was going to bring that up. Killed himself. That's another L. Which is another L. And then you have your master Luckbringer being like, oh, that was kind of kind of lame. That's an L. He was like, that's a, that was an L. So, you know, she's struggling. But she also has the card stacked against her, you know, in being what in like they a say? patriarchy. God, what do what the kids say in these day, days, Charles? It's like, L and ratio or something like that. Oh, L plus ratio, but... L plus ratio. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the Luckbringer said. (laughs) Yeah, basically, Aitmata's, like, giving her the L plus the ratio, you know? She's, like, defeating her, and then, you know, kind of... A ratio is one, like... And gang... Yeah, well, she lost the public... In the court of public opinion, that's pretty much getting ratioed. Right, right, exactly. And ratioed on Twitter, it's like, and you get way more comments than likes. It, it's when your response to so, another person gets more engagement than your initial thing, right? So it's like, oh, you got ratioed, dude. No, like, no, it's ratio is, it's likes to, like, comments. So it's like, if you get a lot of likes but not a lot of comments, it means, like, people are approving of what you say but if you get like no almost no likes but yes, tons but of you comments can also get ratioed are... if someone like elon musk posts a tweet and then someone comments with a joke and then that comment gets more likes or something than the initial than elon's initial tweet it's called getting ratioed you were just like you were owned that's called getting ratioed too i think so i mean i'm not totally caught up with the, the original these days I... My understanding is you the original can ratio, what like ratio meant. level of owning someone when your response gets more engagement than like their posts. Like, oh, not only did I own you with the clever comeback, but it's also getting more response than yours ever did. So it's like it's second own. It's it's L plus ratio. That was my um Anyway, not important. We'll have to look that up later. I'm sure both are correct, or maybe we'll look it up. Who, I, I don't. I'm not confident on mine. That's just what I assumed it well, meant. Before people start saying L plus ratio, like I know from from my Twitter use that ratio used to mean like you get more comments than you get uh, likes on mm-hmm. the post. But I, I don't know, uh, Charles. You're up to date with all the hey, all the kids. You've kind of got that, like Steve Buscemi, <laughs> Steve Buscemi holding the skateboard with, with the backwards hat. <laughs> yeah, you've kind of got that that kind of energy going for you. But so, can I share I'll another controversial can... opinion? Um, I when I think about Ait Mata from particular, specifically just the actions that she's doing, like I am kind of. I don't have anything necessarily against her. Like, yes, in the audiobook, she sounds like she's half snake, like she's speaking parcel tongue or something, like she's obviously <laughs> evil. But when you look at her actions, like she's just, she's owning like the mountain clan constantly. And her views are rather progressive. Like she's opening borders, she's expanding business, like she's playing 4D chess. She's no more or less evil to me than our heroes in the story. And I'm of the opinion that she's might actually be like, if I had to vote in a presidential election between Hilo and Ait Mata, I think I would be highly tempted to vote Ait Mata. Uh, is that a controversial opinion? Because 
I feel like she's supposed to be our villain who murders family. But Hilo does the same flipping thing in this. He murders his sister-in-law uh, yeah. and, and steals a child, you know, and, and lies about it. So, like, that's the... I'm like, they're the same, and Aich just smarter uh, and a better policy like foreign policy and, and is more diplomatic and more clever and, and more everything else i'm actually liking Ait mata except for the whole she sounds like she's part snake Killing and, her and all her descriptions and... too are funny like her narrative it would be a good drinking game where it's like anytime Ait is like just dis- like described like a snake because it'll be like she her serpent like motions and her <laughs> she, she you know like that happens almost every time she's on camera it's kind of funny it's like okay i get it she's snake like <laughs> she's evil she's evil but right. when i look on paper her policies i'm like you know she's doing a lot more for kcon than like the mountain ever would have if it wasn't for trying to stay competitive you know that's just how i feel is that controversial dylan what do you think am i evil yeah well, you clearly would make a good campaign manager for Aitmana, <laughs> but I think that I think that's part of the book. I actually think that that Fonda I I don't know, and maybe we'll get to have this conversation one day, but I think that Fonda would agree with you. Um like the idea that these characters are supposed to be morally gray. Hilo is an anti hero, and I think that's confirmed when he kills his like you were saying i was gonna bring yeah, up that was that like as well. a like he character it's like a holy crap moment. like yeah and even so he kind of he has very little remorse for it it's <laughs> like about it at he's all kind of yeah almost never thinks about it and he also in the moment he he's not even like what have i done he's like geez she never really knew how to like relate to me she was always pushing my buttons and like eventually she should have known that if she keeps speaking to me like that that i was going to kill her trying to keep my nephew it's like it's very it's like right it's like and she was dishonoring me and like she should have known that was coming and he kind of just moves on with his life and kind of everyone around him is like they're vaguely aware, if not completely aware, that that's what happened. And oh, they all died in a fire. They just kind of, <laughs> yeah, they just kind of are like, okay, well, I guess we'll we'll raise this kiddo and we'll just act like nothing so bad happened. I'm interested if we do get that time skip in Jade Legacy and maybe Nico's like a legit, you know, late teenager or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, he's going to start wondering like hey what did happen you just kind of showed up and took me away and my mom happened to die when you were there like what's the deal with that so mm. there might be interesting consequences because it is down interesting line, but... that Hilo's own son is a stone eye too so there's like that political grabbing kind of like if when you're looking at the who will oh, inherit yeah, the throne the son right? of yeah. Nico's the son of yeah Lon, who's the pillar right like who's next i think it's got to be bloodline. Nico. It's got to be, right? Because as a Stone yeah. Eye, you can't be in the clan, you know? Kind of. And it's interesting that Hilo's like, There's also the daughter, though. <laughs> yeah. There's also the daughter, that's true. Yeah. And it's also described as, uh, as like, he's trying to honor Lan. And I, th- I don't know. I'll, we'll see where the whole thing goes with because that. Because Hilo Going back to your line, original... Right? You can go ahead and expand. Go back. Yeah, I just I want to go back to the Aitmata the Aitmata stuff because I, I do mm-hmm. think that's interesting to get into. 
that I I think I agree with you, and I think that Fonda would agree with you that the our quote unquote heroes are no better than their adversaries or just the people whose perspectives you happen to be in. And mm-hmm. I think before Hilo did that uh, kill your former sister-in-law move, I think mm-hmm. you could say, all right, well, Aimata like killed her family and that's Yeah, she's like sociopathic, like, right? <laughs> yeah. But now it's like, well, Hilo's doing the same crap. So, right. uh, and I guess now they can have trouble in splitting hairs. Is again the theme of this book because Aitmat is very progressive, right? A, a, a woman in the highest form of power, you know, she has to command respect by being progressive thinking and more brutal and more utilitarian, and she's very decisive. And if I have to kill my uh, brother, then so be it. If I have to expand borders, so be it. If I have to trade jade and produce shine, so be it. Like, she will do... She's a progressive thinker. And you have Hilo, who, even in the beginning, when he wasn't in any... Like, when he was just kind of the fist, or the hand, or I forget which one it is. The fist. The fist, thank you. you got it. When he was the fist, he was always, like... He had a very special connection to family and like he and it was kind of endearing about him, right, where he loved his sister no matter what he loved and no matter what he like, you know, loved his wife no matter what, even if sometimes it wasn't proper. He did have a, an occasional progressive moment like marrying a stone eye and this and that, um, letting and in, you know, go to Hispania like he's he sees those things, but he also is still like. He, yeah. he still has these elements of like, oh, I'm not a real green bone. Like he's very, he's still very pro isolationism. He still kind of thinks his race is superior and this and that. Like it's yeah. interesting to see the two different philosophies. And the question becomes like, oh, what does it mean to be a green bone? Like you're giving away our like identity. You'll never beat us because you don't understand these traditional values are strong, you know? And I'm like, is that a good enough case to like go to war with Aitmata? I don't know. And like Hilo has to believe it because the mountain clan's whole power comes from that. So it's interesting to see if they're able to shake that off or if they're able to use that fight and win and like be right. You know, it's like, it's like, where does that go? What is Fondali trying to say about like the tradition versus progress you know i I, it we our heroes are kind of stuck in tradition a little bit and i don't know if we're trying to get them to shake that or if we're trying to get them to embrace that like what the solution is and we'll see and and like it's but it's starting to seem like they're unwinding a little bit like shay is just taking l l l l l and then hilo is you know becoming a little bit um hypocritical killing his own family um, so where do you find that? I don't know. And, um, that's what I'm curious to see, like where that theme takes us in, in the third and final book of the series. But yeah, I think that Hilo character kind of personifies the complication of where the clan is in history, trying to keep up with all this stuff and just the nature of Ike being willing to keep up with it is putting their clan at a disadvantage. That's well said, Charles. And you said earlier this idea of Hilo. It's like, oh, he's got all these positive things because he loves Andon no matter what. He loves his sister no matter what. It's like, well, he loves them no matter what unless they 
go against his way of seeing the world, in which case he, like, hates them. <laughs> like, not hates them, but he's very, like, he becomes very ambivalent about it because he does love them. I agree that he, mm-hmm. uh, underneath the, like, the decisions that he'll make, like, he he basically exiled Andin, although that was uh, a good Jay's move, idea. I think, um, he, yeah. He is a, he yeah, a target but he's on also, he only does it because Andin doesn't like doesn't want to use Jade, right? In a right. he's there's multiple times where he's like, "Oh, put on Jade in a second, I have you back." So he kind of hides behind this, like, "Oh yeah, well Shay said it." It's like, yeah, but you make the decisions, and you made this decision because he's like not using Jade. And right. But to be fair, he, also, it's you know, kind of hard to with, defend. Like he could defend himself if he had Jade, because he has this almost. I sure. call it Gohan like power structure where he can do crazy things <laughs> um, like sporadically. So it's like at least if Greenbones were after him, he could fight back, I think was his. And I agree, Dylan, that it's almost like in bad faith argument where he clearly just wants him to be more Greenbone. And so they can be a nice traditional Greenbone family. Like that's his number one motive. But it's under the guise of there's a target on your back. You can't defend yourself. I can't spend the resources to defend you myself. So uh, unless you're going to wear Jade, you have to leave. You know, it's in bad faith. I agree completely. And also when his sister left and it's again, like she's taken off the Jade and she's leaving. Uh, This is obviously before Jade City. She did that. Like, it's clear that he basically disowned her as a sister during that time period too. So Mm -hmm. it's like... He just has these very clear traditional values and uh, he does love them no matter what because it's like that whole idea of the opposite of uh, of love is indifference, not hate, right? It's right. like when he starts to like hate them, he gets so angry with them. It's like it's because he cares so much about them. Yeah. If he really didn't care, you would not have such strong feelings of hatred. Like right. that's really just your love being flipped around. Uh, in a way that is uh, distorted Mm -hmm. and he yeah he's an interesting complex character because of those like really strong values that Mm. like help him justify some things that to us as outside observers are like this is insane this is Mm. completely out of control and it's i think it's cool by fonda lee how she's able to use perspective to make you almost like it's easy to not take a step back and question like wait is Aitmata actually any worse than (laughs) than the like our quote-unquote heroes and you make really great points I like I can't confidently tell you that she's any worse or not like (laughs) that she's not even necessarily uh not better like she might actually just straight be better because like Hilo is Hilo's maybe more like feeling uh than she is but if we're talking from like a consequentialist perspective he the things he ends up doing are just as bad uh and at the same time the direction he's taking the country might be worse Right. So it's like, but, I don't know, who would I rather grab a drink with? Sure, Hilo. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> who's better for the country? It might be Aitmata, and both of them do, like, reprehensible things. 
Right. But and again, you you're, you mentioned perspective, which I think is something we kind of have underserved in terms of talking about Fondalee's writing ability, because it's true. There's many moments where Hilo is actually shown to be one of the people most capable of love and compassion and understanding for the people that he considers close. Right. Like he's willing to give someone who you know lost their arms a chance at you know running a business and being successful right um, he's willing to give certain people like he's always very understanding when he's giving orders he'd be like i know you're not liking the idea of my decision right now but i want you to understand that yes i'm your boss and this is what we're doing but i'm also going to get that revenge for you or whatever it is right he's always looking out for people and that's something that is rare in people that we want to like. And he's a very good father too. He's playing with the kids. He's very family oriented. Uh, so like, there's a lot from his perspective that we can like about him and appreciate about him and see like the strength of those more traditional values. But at the same time, he like, he'll do these occasional things that will shock you and surprise you. And he'll say things that you're like, that's kind of xenophobic. And, you know, the, all that stuff is, is going on with Hilo as well. But I, I, I think he's a he's a cleverly written character and the use of perspective is is clever as well. Right. You get the sense that someone like Ait Mata in a similar situation to him, like, trying to convince his former finger not to, uh, like, uh, die by suicide, you get the sense that Aitmata in a similar situation would be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I don't... Can <laughs> this I, does not bother Can me. I gain but anything from this relationship? Die, like, yeah. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, oh, no, I don't really see much to be gained, so... It's like sure. one less mouth to feed. And cool. <laughs> Hilo is... Yeah, and Hilo is doing whatever he can to make sure that person both feels like they have autonomy and survives. And it works out so well for that individual person. And again, it's at like at an individual level, I do think Hilo has a lot more empathy and like you said, compassion and mm -hmm. uh, all that. But it's like uh, on the flip side, uh, yeah, he is just so emotionally volatile that in a moment he could do something so and that's part of like, that like uh, organized crime trope right it's like if the family pulls you back in and it makes you do things and it makes your relationships more complicated and it makes you like a violent person and you know if you've seen like the sopranos is a good example where it's like you like tony soprano but then he goes off and does these evil evil things and then you're like okay he's a charming charismatic guy with a family but he's also torturing people killing people extorting people and that kind of dichotomy um is what makes that show great and i kind of can see a bit of that in Hilo. like he he's there's a lot to like about him and you kind of start with him and he was always encouraging people to be better and do better and he always had love for the family and then i think you see like the effects of organized crime um continue to grow and this book ends actually with challenging do we need organized crime in our country like i don't think so very reasonable question to ask it's like why is our country being run by two different factions of organized crime instead of politicians which what's the difference am i right but um <laughs> got him uh, that's a little political <laughs> commentary for you right there but uh no yeah, it's it's, it's fantasy 
It's the way Enter, entering the political works. sphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and you're—that's really high praise, Charles. I mean, you're evoking one of the most like beloved and compelling characters in TV history <laughs> by saying Tony Soprano, and it's that complexity is definitely apparent in Hilo. It's it's cool to see, and more so in this him. one. Too. Yeah, he's so upset by the idea. It's just it's interesting. Because I'm thinking back to this, like, uh, this idea of of loving your family no matter what and uh, and things along those lines. It's like, it is present when you see something like he, right, his son ends up, like, almost dying because of consuming Jade, but then he's fine because he's a stone eyes. It's like, he actually does not really care at all about the son being a stone eyes he's just like he's just like okay but then he's gonna be okay and they're like yeah and he's almost even observing that the doctor is like sheepish about it because yeah so he's thinking like oh my god like did something really bad happen like is my Mm -hmm. kid gonna be okay he's like where's my son like oh well uh he's gonna be a stone eye but he's fine and he's like wait what like Okay, so he's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. And he was even like, is there something like wrong weirdly... with being a stone eye? And the doctor's like, of course not. Of course yeah. not. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And of course, that's like right. a particularly, that's an area where he's probably had to do a lot of reflecting because of his wife. And he probably knew this was a knew legitimate possibility and all, and all of that kind of stuff. And he's like, okay. And he takes that in stride. But it's like, he's not going to love his kid any less i don't think because of that so it's like he has these weird moments with his family Mm -hmm. where he becomes like more progressive than the doctor who just delivered the child right and i kind of read it like maybe the doctor was afraid to tell the leader of the mountain clan that his heir of course of course but you get the sense that the doctor there's probably some prejudice there too thought there was something yes yes and the society i mean even we can move it away from the doctor in particular who knows maybe that doctor is super progressive but (laughs) the point is the society at large is less progressive than uh hilo was being in that moment around stone eyes like there's Mm -hmm. most of the men in that society uh like green bone men in that society if they have a stone eye child they're they are going to be really pissed and probably like treat the child worse. And I do not think that's going to be the case with Hilo. So it's like, that's such a weird contrast to his, like the ways in which he's ridiculously traditionalist and the way he treats when it's like, I want, I don't want her involved at all. Like, you know, there's nothing she can really do. Like she just get hurt, you know, like that, that is a whole part of it too. Yeah, but it all fits. Like, he doesn't feel unnatural when he has these contradictions. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a sign of strong character writing. When you can write a character that has these these aspects of themselves that, like, you would not think go together at all. But, like, that's how people are, <laughs> like, in, in real life. Like, people are not these two-dimensional, like, I just stand for traditionalism, and I'm going to be that character that represents this ideal in the book. Like, this is an animal farm. Like, right. I... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Take that, Orwell. But oh, we're coming at everyone today. 
Yeah, Orwell, politicians. Yeah, no one's safe. No one's safe on the Friends Talking No one's safe from Friends Talking Fantasy (laughs) Podcast. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I'm just thinking of a book, like that book is a short book where like, like literally characters represent ideals in the sense that like this character represents the working class and these ideals. It's like, uh, but this book, we have characters that feel fully fleshed out in all of their contradictions uh, in Jade War. And at the same time, they don't, like, it doesn't make them feel unnatural for holding, Even as the like, conflictions have those dissonant too, beliefs. Because they certainly do in this right. book as well. And they cause dissonance. They cause tension mm-hmm. between those beliefs. And I think we'll continue to see that, especially around Hilo as we move forward. And you, and you mentioned this idea, like, what is the message of this mm-hmm. book when our heroes are more isolationist and maybe more xenophobic than our villains, theoretically? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is interesting to see, like, are is this going to be like their downfall that they refuse to adapt and adjust to the time and uh, into the times in the long mm-hmm. run? Like, is Jade Legacy going to end with? Like Hilo goes down for his uh, traditionalism and his hubris or whatever, and maybe the next generation is going to do uh, uh, a better job, like find uh, that balance between the kind of like forward thinking of an Aitmata with the compassion that Hilo can show in the better moments. Like as a character like Nico, if we do get like pretty intense time skips, like as a character like Nico, maybe going to be able to bridge that gap or who knows are like uh our our current character is going to come around a more progressive thing who knows there's a bunch of ways that this could go and i think mm. that's part of what has this uh, uh this interesting heading into right. the final and the book. conflict is good because i really don't see like this book taking a side yet i right. mean but the nature of the mountain clan being our heroes speaks to some of it but it, it's still conflicting uh and, and um, I want to make sure I want to transition and, and make sure that we there's one more character that we have to talk about. And I am, of course, referring to Andin. Uh, we, you know, we've talked a lot about right. Shay and Hilo and Aitmata, but we need to and even when to some extent. But we need to make sure that we talk about the Andin plotline because it's actually a substantial part of this book. And the first book, Definitely. Jade City. Like, my favorite scene in that book was at the end when Andin and Hilo confront each other and Andin says, I refuse to wear jade. Uh, large part being that he doesn't want to be a tool for murder and the other part being, I don't want to be like my own mother who had the itches and killed herself. You know, I don't want to be like that tragedy. And and so I thought that was huge. And against someone like Hilo, who's like to wear Jade is to be powerful and to be loved and to be part of the family. Like who better to say that to, right? And then kind of the falling out between them, especially when you consider Andin is like a prodigy with Jade and graduating top of his class in in Jade City. So he's kind of like fallen off. And I love comparing him to Gohan. It's like when Gohan decided he was going to go into academia after defeating Cell, it's like, come on, man. You're like the most powerful Saiyan there is. Like, you gotta Doesn't keep training. He... 
Right, he goes. You're gonna hit he the books like instead? the Saiyan man or whatever, like the great Saiyan man. <laughs> right, God, that was so funny. Was <laughs> and Vegeta like, just makes I mean, fun of him the whole time. It's like, oh, he chose to study instead of be a strong warrior, like right. pathetic. So that's kind of Andon's. But there's something yeah. noble in that, right? Because Andon sees the path that laid out before him. If he takes Jade, of like just being a tool for killing and murder and to be part of the family is to be part of being part of a crime syndicate and doing things that you're like are inherently evil and and wants to walk away from that like shay had done previously so it's you can understand that it's like who would necessarily wants to choose a life of having to look over your shoulder all the time having to kill people having to extort people because at the end of the day as much as we like to look at these clans as being like political factions they are organized crime families and, and there's that important distinction there and all the unsavory things that come from that that you can't walk away from from being from that and Andon, to his best effort is trying uh, but he kind of reverts in this book and, I, and i'm curious to hear your take on this because i was reading it and i'm like Andon, at one point you refuse to wear jade and then on the other hand you forcefully insert yourself into family business in the second half of this book um and i thought that was kind of an interesting choice for andon and i'm curious uh dylan to to see your thoughts on the on the to hear your thoughts on the andon arc for sure i well, i love the gohan comparison <laughs> by the way Joe. thank I think you i said that explicitly but i actually like once you said that i can't get out of my head like how <laughs> similar some of the plights are and i i love go on he was like my favorite character of course he's awesome yeah uh, although i love vegeta too who vegeta doesn't such good stuff who doesn't right? love a good right. like bad but, to good arc in their anime <laughs> yeah right redemption so, arc i should say but either yeah yeah but he's i mean part of what i like about vegeta well, well my wife far away like about vegeta is he's like always still flirting with actually still being a villain yeah right it's like <laughs> he never really gets an alpha system when there's mm-hmm. a lot of characters in books and anime or whatever else that like once they make that bad to good transition they're like well now i'm a good guy and like that's that but yeah. vegeta is always <laughs> tempted Just, by like, the dark side, if these people basically. keep testing me i'm gonna <laughs> go evil right and he also just like yeah one of the number one things is he's always just wants to be stronger than goku so it's kind of like more important than being a good guy (laughs) yeah so i don't know very true to himself but anyway yes the go on comparisons are apt when it comes to andon and i think that i think what it is is you know you can I'm trying to think of the uh, best way to say it. Like, uh, you can take the the kid out of Jade City, but you can't take the Jade City out of the kid, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like he's still got that Kekanese background. That's who he really is, and I think he's even when he goes to Espania, he finds the Kekanese people in that city, and that's who he ends up really associating with and he's mm-hmm. like oh it's interesting how different like a role jade plays in this society but all that being said he's he's still been like brought up in that culture and besides like the physiological draw of jade 
Like, he still wants to be a respected member of the family. And Mm -hmm. I I just don't, I don't think that ever leaves him. Even when he's, like, at his most, like, I'm just here in Espania and I'm just studying. It's like, he wants to go back. And even when he's, like, in a happy relationship. Right. He So it's not really like he's, like... He hates the idea of Jade for the reasons that you discussed before, but it's so deeply entrenched in like how he sees the world and who he is. And he, in his perfect world, he would be this like high ranked, respected member of uh, the uh, No Peak clan, sure, and at potentially the same be the time, strongest fighter not, in all of Kaka. Sure, he would love to be. He would love to be. I'm saying, but in his perfect world, he would just not use Jade, but also be, like, one of the leading figures in the no mm, clan. I he see, just doesn't yeah. like Jade. Like, everything right. else, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, everything else he wants. And it's... Well, I don't think he doesn't like violence. I, I think he's... Well, he doesn't like violence, but he's getting involved in, like, an assassination plot. Right. So... And he even, I, I love when he who, went to the pillar in Hispania right? and was like, I need you to kill this guy for me. And he was like, what? You're asking me <laughs> to kill somebody and you yeah. refuse to wear jade and you, you act all high and mighty and holier than now. Oh, I'll never kill again. I'll never wear jade. Meanwhile, you come to me and be like, kill somebody. As I thought that was like, Andy, you have some growing up to do, buddy. Like, that was not cool. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in his early 20s, I believe, yeah, by the end of the book. And that's over over the course of years. He's literally like having his first ever relationship and mm. first ever romantic and sexual experiences. It's like, of course, he has a lot of growing up to do. And he's also got the that like inner conflict going on. And especially you want to like individuate at this time in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think Andon's right, right. doing that. And he, I mean, he eventually makes the choice at the end of this book that he, it's more important to try to save when than it is to continue his boycotting of the use of Jade. So mm. I, I don't know. I think I'd be interested to see if Andon ends up kind of, really gang back into jade i think that's kind of what the people are clamoring for it's what i'm clamoring for just not for him as a like person that i want like i don't think that's going to make him happy or go down a route that is good for him as a person but as a character i think that's been his conflict for the last two books and i think for the final book we have to see okay what does happen when andon fully gives himself to jade mm-hmm. and i'm i'm just excited to see that from uh, like character arc perspective even if right. i know it's probably not going to go well for it <laughs> right because i at the beginning of this book when it became clear that andon was going to be a big part of the story in this book i was like okay this is ending Andon's arc is ending with him picking up the jade and doing something like miraculous with it i thought he was going to fight somebody and like do a super cool like this isn't even my final form kind of defeating of somebody, but he ended up using it to... You're very DBZ-focused This today, book Charles. puts me, this book on, puts like, me in the mood. Z. This book puts me in the mood, and I don't know why, yeah. but um, I guess because it's just like, 
kind of the way they fight each other. There is some of this like power level type yeah, stuff. They can like sure. wear more and, jade and, and power up more, good. you know, and there's, yeah. there's something about it. And there's the, the strong characters in this opera-like storytelling uh, just to see them kind of come together and you're like ooh how would that matchup go how would that matchup go so yeah. there there's something that invokes it in me so i was hope I, that's what i was kind of expecting but it kind of makes sense that he would go and and use it to miraculously bring wen um back from near certain death uh and it kind of speaks to his arc if he's trying to again create his own identity and i think a large part of this is as much as the world is expanding and growing and crossing borders there is something important about culture and cultural identity and tradition and i think hilo is just is that something uh, not not hilo andin that's something that andin is missing when he goes to Hispania and he longs to go back to K-Con and he, you know, he like, he's trying to find like grab on to that identity in Hispania. And he sees some of the injustices that his people have to go through, what by being immigrants in a foreign country. And that kind of fuels his willingness to help. But there is a little bit of something about Andin where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if his arc goes like, evil mode <laughs> i'd be curious to see that too yeah because i do see well, some of the warning signs oh yeah i mean look i think it's like a slippery slope thing he's yeah. got this whole all right yeah i'll go back to jan loon and i'll just be a guy that heals people with jade i'll yeah. use jade only for good yeah and it's like there's no way we're going another <laughs> i don't know how long the next book is but let's say <laughs> it's 700 pages we're not going another 700 pages with you just the whole time being like, like look at me i'm the good guy jade doctor who just helps people with jade it's like, it's you're like gonna i went to four to years of we'll medical school my two years of residency right. and <laughs> now i'm an attending <laughs> Right. He is going to, I think, I think it's going to be a slippery slope, right? He's going to be like, oh, wow, this is going great. And then it's going to, because what we've seen with Andon is when push comes to shove, he is willing to make compromises. And that's what he did in that moment. And I think, you know, right here at the end of the book, I think he has no regrets because he saved one and that's great. But right. You keep giving an inch and giving an inch and giving an inch and suddenly you're Especially mile down in the a road. family and that promotes like extortion and violence. Yes. And, you know. So push is going to come to shove. He's not staying just a guy who helps people with Jade for an entire book with no. probably time skips. So he's I think he's going to go down a dark path at some point in Jade Legacy, and we'll see if he's able to wrap back around. To continue uh, my it, DBZ but... parallels, it would be interesting yes. if it was like we get Majin and in, right? <laughs> Where he just, he breaks bad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and yeah. he just embraces yeah, well... the Jade and does all kinds of super cool, like, action scenes that he just, like, embraces the Jade <laughs> and and does some cool stuff beating people up <laughs> i feel like i feel like fonda lee's been very patient in her unfolding of the use of jade and it's i'm I waiting for that face off has to oh, let someone go yes i think she in the final book she has to really oh, anakin versus Obi-Wan i mean throw moment, all the cards right? down on the table <laughs> yeah i mean it's i think Goku that versus it's Vegeta fun moment. when you build up toward it <laughs> Yes, like Goku versus Vegeta moment. You need, I think, 
you know, get all the pieces out there on the board and I you got to just make some of this stuff happen because the possibility of what you can do with Jade is like pretty incredible, but I I think she hasn't taken it to its like uh, ultimate ends by any means. Final form. I hope we get a really yes. Uh, this isn't even her final form, Joel. She's her final she's... form is Jade Legacy. <laughs> Although she's writing more, so I know there is a pretty but You know what I'm saying? It's like there's so much. I mean, this is another Sanderson thing. Which whenever we talk magic systems, it's hard not to uh, talk about Brandon Sanderson because he's become like synonymous with the hard magic system and all these laws of magic, but he's talked about like, I won't say what happens at the end of Mistborn, but he's talked about uh, Mistborn. He's like, Oh yeah. Like I had all these like pieces at play and I'm talking about the end of the whole trilogy. He's like, and I hadn't yet done this, but I'm like, how can I not before I end the trilogy, like find out what happens when like, um, I can't say, but like when I just, like go allow this part to go full force yeah Yeah, exactly so it's like and he does and it's such an epic moment because it's like oh wow you really like saved this for after we've understood this magic system for like thousands of pages and now it's like oh wow like this is really happening and i think we need to get that moment in jade legacy i really hope she gives it to us because Ah, oh, there's uh, there's so much that he, she can still do, and I think Andon is the perfect character to allow that to happen to, like <laughs> let him go full force because he has that like that level of ability, like you described the Gohan idea, where it's like he's got possibly more potential than anyone else. It's mm-hmm. just like, are you gonna ever unleash it? It's like he's gotta unleash it at yeah, some point. You gotta right? see it exactly and, and i'm yeah. be curious to see if and when that happens i'm just looking for like a couple of them to get in one of those wide open landscapes and just duke it out like full force and just get that battle yeah. scene i think that's partly why i'm thinking about dbz all the time when i'm talking about this book because like i want to see that so bad with these characters and i have a feeling we're gonna get there we'll see they seem to be like, oh, you know, the world's kind of moved past clan to clan fighting, and now it's on the political stage and the media stage. And I'm like, yes, but at some point this is going to get personal, and you're going to have a showdown, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be that much more exciting. So we'll see if we ever get there. We have not read Jade Legacy yet, but um, that's kind of something that we're gearing towards. It'll be interesting to kind of revisit this conversation in like two weeks when we have read Jade Legacy. Um, but only other thing I wanted to make sure that we mentioned before we call it a day and we can do this rather quickly is Barrow, um, who was one of my favorite characters in the first book. I like that he just kind of bookends stuff <laughs> really? and like his inconsequential existence, yet somehow he manages to like trip into some of these huge deals like getting a massive amount of s1n1 like taking um lon's jade like all of these all of these things that he's doing and he still kind of bookends this story fonda lee had me a little convinced that he was gone and i was like this is kind of underwhelming that like this thing that's been like kind of bookending the whole series to this point like results in him just being betrayed and that's the end but uh no, yeah, that more. surprised me too that she like, I don't know. I 
I was like, they can't actually kill him. Like, there's got to be less more, like, more for him to do. And then she's like, oh, like, uh, Moot was thinking about how hard it was to kill Barrow. And then he twitched at the end. I was like, oh, wow, is he really dead? Right. But then, yeah, of course, he's, uh, come and on, then you can't Moot kill gets Barrow that easy. So, or gets buried oh, alive. Yeah, with Moot the got giant. wrecked. Moot got wrecked. And then What's you're like, that's how that whole thing ends? Like, they both die and that's it? They move on. <laughs> yeah, it almost feels like like oh, did you just like feel like these were loose ends to just kind of like tie up. But no, mm. there's there's more. Barrow doesn't go down that easy. It is funny though because then Moot gets mistaken for basically Barrow, right? Like, they and think so they that, drop like, that Hilo investigation, that, right? They're like, oh, great, and then Barrow shows up again, and Hilo like Hilo's like, if I. I told you if I ever saw you again, I would kill you. And Barrow's like, oh, God, like, oh. And then <laughs> that's the exact dialogue. And right. then uh, Hilo's like, Uncanny. well, guess I can't do that, though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right, Hilo's right. Like, guess I can't do that. Now, like, you can be helpful. And then, of course, Barrow, who's just never up to anything good. He's always up to no good. He's... Yeah gonna join up with the resistance that's right they're introducing a a resistance an anti um clan resistance now that's a progressive idea i guess yeah i'm curious to see where barrow uh, kind of i guess they're trying to get there with violence (laughs) yeah where barrow kind of stumbles into next it's always kind of funny to be like you have all these people working so hard at stuff and then barrow just like totally incompetent stumbles into something and is like oh i'll take this and like keeps going you know he's kind of that like chaotic force that um keeps these bookend moments kind of interesting and exciting so i I enjoy the antics uh, of barrow and i'm looking forward to see like where he finds himself in the next book and how seriously this resistance is going to play into the future of KCON, this idea of like overthrowing the families, you know, it's like who knows? Seems pretty ambitious For to sure, me, but I know especially what the, with one book left. <laughs> it does. Yes, and I know what the future friends talking fantasy holds for Ooh, us, Charles. Do because you know? we're gonna have to. Yeah, I do. We're gonna have to head into Jade Legacy. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, that's like gonna be two weeks down the line, maybe that we release that episode. Mm-hmm. But in the immediate future, friends talking fantasy. I think we're going to have to hear some sweet, sweet outro music. I think you're right. I think we need to get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping. Thank you all so much for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, you want to support the show even further. If you want to talk about, you know, would you vote for Aitmata? Would you vote for Hilo? Like, let us know over on uh, social media. That's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end on Twitter. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even further than engaging with us over on social media what can they do toss five stars to our podcast which you can do on spotify where most of you are listening by just clicking twice at the top of the friends talking fantasy podcast feed you can also rate and or review over on apple podcasts which is super kind when you do that we always love reading those reviews so keep on doing that if you can but 
just listening is more than enough. Thank you so much for doing that. Couldn't agree more, Dylan. You guys are awesome just for listening more than enough. Thank you so, so much. And uh, as always, go forth and conquer, friends.